0: Welcome to the Carmen Murray Show, where we have conversations about 21st century business and culture. Knowing that the entrepreneurial journey is one of the toughest, loneliest, and most tumultuous of all, together we'll explore how successful entrepreneurs have overcome similar obstacles. The recipe to success is to work on your business, not just in your business. Plan for success. And now, from the Solid Gold Studios, let's stand on the shoulders of giants to see further.
1: Shaman. I'm Shaman I hope you like Shaman too I'm Shaman I'm Shaman I'm Shaman I'm Shaman I hope you like Shaman too
2: (laughs) Now let's do the common version No I'm just joking the Shamanator I'm coming
1: I'm coming I'm coming coming. I hope you like common Murray too
2: I might not be as popular as you but the Shamanator is in the house ladies and gentlemen huddle up because today you're in for a treat we've got Mike Shaman and Mm -hmm. woohoo as you can Recall, we had Brian Altrich here and we actually embarrassed you
1: so, so much the previous time. You no, know, you made me put a plastic thing in my face and then I had to play that game where I had to say ridiculous things on a card.
2: <laughs> and you spat all over the show. No, hey? you punked me hard. <laughs> I'm sure you're going to get me back for that one day.
1: One day. You, why with one eye open, Carmen Murray?
2: <laughs> okay, so um, today we're going to talk um, about the secret sauce to going viral. Um, but we're going to challenge the status quo a bit and I don't know if you guys know, aren't there, but if you're not aware of that, uh, Mike Sharman is the co-founder of Retroviral. He has made more brands go viral globally than any other agency in Africa. And he has just co-founded Retroviral Digital Communications with former Springbok Brian Habana. Retro, How-
1: retroactive. Retroactive. So, yeah, Retroactive is the sport one.
2: Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Retroactive. So how's that going?
1: amazingly well yeah so brian uh, ben kopinski chaga cecilia and i are, are running uh, retroactive and Retroactive is effectively taking authentic storytelling back to the sports space. So many brands come in and they, they sponsor sports because a CEO likes to play golf or he likes a specific aspect out there that relates to a sport that he's interested in. But there's no strategic correlation between what's right for their target market or existing audience. And they fail to do the necessary checks from a strategic perspective. So we're like, hey, we want to get involved. We want to tell authentic stories. Uh, we kicked it off last year with a campaign for Biogen. My best mate, Hobbo. Is that he, the
2: guy that was running the, the, yeah. the, the Iron Man thing? I yeah. saw, yes!
1: He did the half Ironman. We took a guy who was 130 kilograms. He'd never run a five kilometer. We got him off the couch and within 10 months of Jeez. consistent training and not ch- chowing lots of like steroids but just having a, <laughs> a good solid <laughs> regimen, he ended up uh, completing the half Ironman in Durban in June and he's down to 100 kilos and we've got Wines to Wales and a whole bunch of other events coming up Incredible. with the Biogen journey changed his life and we've got 600 other people to document their hashtag <gasps> Biogen journeys. Real people via Instagram, via social and that's what the Hobo story sparked. This whole opportunity for real people to just move, just start something.
2: How on earth do you get 600 people... To do something like that.
1: Listen, come, it's a gift. I can't help it. I can't turn it all.
2: <laughs> but a magician never gives away its secrets. <laughs> exactly. But This
1: isn't magic. It's science and amazing, <laughs> remarkable content.
2: No, but that's incredible. And I, I
1: actually, um, started running. I'm, um,
2: I've done a few five kilometres, but I walk
1: around. Walk. And run. I've been watching. That's the way to start. You got to start at the walk, <laughs> a twelve minute K's, and then the next minute you know that you, you're doing five, six minute K's. Like I think that's that's the most important thing when it comes to to content like that. And off the back of Hobo, we've been so privileged to meet uh, Ryobi. They're working with Kirsten Lentman. She's from KZN. She's been riding enduro bikes um, uh. for a long time. She's lacerated her spleen. She couldn't. She had to learn how to walk again, and now she's uh, qualified for Dakar for 2020. And the exciting thing about that. That, is that it's in Saudi and we know the recent law transformations of women finally being able to drive. So here we oh, have this amazing South African athlete. She's going to be the first African woman to participate in the enduro section of Dakar. Incredible stuff.
2: I mean, that Dakar stuff is like absolutely insane. I mean, I, I um, watched Joey Evans, um, yeah. speak at Manus Birdrakes, Bur- um, event the other day, SME.Africa.
1: And his book From Parrot to Dakar. What a story. What a man.
2: What a man. And I mean, I have never ever seen somebody with such resilience. Like... How and that was amazing.
1: You, There's that part in the story where I mean he basically breaks down on Dakar. He finds some other guy's bike. Like, the guy's been airlifted. <laughs> boom! And then the next minute he's like, he's jimmying that guy's <laughs> exhaust off of his bike and adding it to his. And boom! Finishing. What a vibe.
2: I loved it. It was so amazing. It was very emotional. And um, I've never ever seen somebody get a standing ovation in my life like that. And it that was it. it was. It was just like mic drop. Obama in the house. <laughs> okay, so I think the the interesting thing is right. So I read your book, The Best Deck. Thank you. Um, it actually inspired my entrepreneurial journey.
1: And oh, you say that to all your guests?
2: No, I did. I read it, and especially the accounting part, which is the the worst part for me,
1: is that you know,
2: the bootstrapping the and doing, yeah, you know, it's not my vibe, eh? It's like something that I really need to be consistent at. Yeah, and uh, I think,
1: you know, that, you know, for all your listeners out there, I think that's the huge lesson, me coming from a more predominantly creative background, is that we struggle with the financial side of business, but it's the most important part. And mm-hmm. when you realize all the elements that go into all your costs, the fact that there's depreciation and amortization and all these things that make up that fancy EBITDA, phrase, I think that's when you really start understanding the nuts and bolts of what your business actually costs you to run. And from Mm. there, you can define what your pricing should be. So many of us entrepreneurs, we start a business. I'm not a business plan fan. So I like to start something, see how it resonates with customers and then refine it as we go along. But uh, from that perspective, when you get to a stage where you've got a few employees and you know what your elements of your business cost you, everything from the groceries to the desks and the computers and all of those things. And when you can understand that on a granular level, then you can start costing it a lot more. scientifically mm. so that when customers ask you why are your hourly rates x y and z especially in service business like ours we can justify all of that and we can justify our markups and we can show exactly where we're adding value to their bottom lines and i think if you can enhance your financial acumen you can be a much better business person
2: i love that that's such great advice i mean <laughs> i think i need to go read the book again but listen as so i'm searching it and i'm like oh god i'm gonna land on a porn site <laughs> and i saw something weird on this side i was just like i'm not gonna look but
1: that's why people ask me how did i manage uh, to the get the thebestdick.com url i mean it was a it was it was wonderful i mean i don't know why it wasn't taken great but, title uh, here although. we have thebestdick.com <laughs> check it out
2: oh it's quite amazing okay so i want to talk about you know your entrepreneurial journey so you wanted to become an actor Yes, ma'am. That was the goal. I don't think why you're not trying to pursue it. You're now connected more than ever before. You can still try and wing it here on the side. You're never too old to, do, to try new things.
1: You know what? My favorite part about my job on a daily basis is I get to perform on all sorts of stages from boardroom stages Correct. to marketing conference stages. So for me, I've managed to commercialize a really huge, passionate part of my life uh, without me having to be in front of the camera. And I think uh, for me, when I get to make TV commercials or we get to make branded content, sure. I actually far prefer being behind the scenes. I love being almost like a director or an assistant director. And I love to to be given that opportunity to guide the actors or the performers that are in our storytelling, because I, I know the type of content, I know the type of um, performance I want out of them. And, and I generally tend to articulate that pretty well. So for me, if, if there was ever to be a a next phase of my life, I think I'm going to go and create documentaries or, oh, or direct. You would
2: be brilliant at that. Or, oh, you know... Hashtag
1: the great hack, which oh, we're going to talk about, Carmen. We
2: are going to talk... I am so, like... I'm amped about that. I got so angry. I had... I, had, I was... I was actually... I'm not as vocal as you are. I was like literally going, I'm going to write this. Now I'm deleting this. I'm going to write this. No, I'm going to delete this because it was just upsetting me so much. Um, but we're going to get into that. I want to find out something and maybe also to inspire my own personal journey. <laughs> I'm being a bit selfish here. but hopefully- Hey, it's your
1: show. <laughs> it's, it's, your, it's, your name, it's your name on the branding.
2: So I want to have a booyah moment here. So at what point do you say, okay, right, now I'm going to start employing staff. How do you plan that? Because, you know, I'm at that point where I'm just like, it's me. And there's a lot of things I have to start saying no to because I can't say yes to everything anymore. And it's becoming very hard. But I'm also in between between that moment of not ready... Oh, that's such a
1: disaster. Hiring staff is like the worst thing when you start out. Um, The challenge is always you start a business and how do you create any kind of annuity income? How do you get like retainer work? And, uh, you know, the the CAs out there and the guys with financial background, they always bang on about have have annuity income. How do you generate retainers? But when you're in a space where a lot of your work is project-based, you don't have the pipeline security that Mm. you definitely have money coming in every month. And when you're a small business, a one or or two man-woman band, it's a lot easier to be selfish because if you don't get paid this month, it's not the end of the world. You can earn more money next month. But when you have that one human being that you are responsible for, Correct. and obviously with that person having to be responsible for their family, the pressure becomes added to you as the, as the entrepreneur and you should never fear failure from a financial perspective. Financial fears will cripple you and, and and it's added pressure that you don't necessarily need at the start of your journey. So the, the safe way is to look at generating a really secure pipeline for your business. So what does that mean? Is it creating content? Is it providing a product or service? And what is the thing that's going to generate repeat orders so that you know that hiring your first employee, there is safety for at least the next year ahead. Mm. And for me, I think it's a huge responsibility when you hire that person that you've looked at all the angles and that you can be sustaining of them for the next short while. And the fact that you might have to take the... The uh, you might have to take it on the chin that you can't take a salary, but they're always going to be looked after. And I think you know that's the one thing that I've always proud, my, proud myself on uh, during my journey is that there's never been a month when an employee hasn't received their salary. It's always mm. been like the founders or the shareholders will take the hit and we'll land on the grenade, but we've never sure. gone through a period in nine years where staff haven't been paid. And and you know you have to keep that consistency because that's yeah. what that's what it means to be a, a business leader.
2: And we we. we when did it start become profitable? I mean, like.
1: Um, we were profitable within the first year, but I mean, it took about 18 months till we hired our first full-time employee and, and there, there was a mixture of some ongoing work and and project work that we knew it was consistent and in my story, I was very fortunate because I had met a person with the same surname as me, Kirsty Sharman, no relation. Oh no, her. And even, even today people <laughs> you know, will ask if we married or brothers and sisters or, or cousins or some kind of relation. But yeah, we, we, we aren't related by anything that we've traced. But yeah, she and I met on Twitter and then she developed a campaign to come and work with me and we were, we like kindred spirits and um, you know we still like best mates today and we work really well together. And you know she's gone on to to create great and amazing things and currently based in Amsterdam, but for me, fortunately, she came to me and by having her on the team, like it became a lot easier to then take the step to the second employee mm. and the third employee. And the problem with each of these things and each of these new hires is that your culture shifts. It's like yeah. a, almost like a, it's like an amoeba in a Petri dish. And yeah. the more people you add into this environment, the more the culture takes on a new essence and it takes on elements of the people that exist in the ecosystem and you grow more. And then some of the original few people feel like the culture is changed again so it's one of those things like you have to have your finger on the cultural pulse of your business and you have to have like a a thought about where you want to go with it because so many businesses when they start they take on the culture of the founder and they have that kind of relationship and personality Uh, and i think that's why a lot of people still feel like the retroviral personality is still (laughs) so inextricably linked to me and and my personality because of the way that i'm the personal brand and i'm the one doing a lot of the the communication about it
2: and you're also very, very passionate and, you know, outspoken. You've got grits and you you do all of the right stuff. And I think you it's not just motivating, I think, your stuff. I think you motivate everybody around you. So what does it take for Mike Sharman every morning to wake up and say, Okay, right, you know what? I'm not taking a siroid this month. It's a tough a tough month or it's a tough few weeks. Um and you still have a family to support, how do you keep yourself positive?
1: Well, I was also fortunate because I started when I didn't have the house and the family and the kids and all of that stuff. I didn't so, even know
2: you were married until I read your book. Oh, wow. And then I started following you and stuff. And I was like, oh my God, he's married. He's got children. you me private. on Instagram.
1: You see the children on the Instagram. I
2: only started Instagram recently. Listen.
1: Oh, sure. Okay. I'm a little bit of a dinosaur. No, no, don't say that. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, So I think like everyone has their own journey and everyone has their own time. And, and I always talk about there is no Mr. Right. Yeah. You know, no Mr. Right time. Uh, and and when you want to start your own thing like it doesn't always feel comfortable it doesn't always feel safe for me i had given myself a three-month support platform i had saved enough for three months worth of salary and when i started it was like let's just give this thing a crack and for me network is the most important go out there speak to people tell them what you're interested in doing tell your people on facebook (laughs) on tweets etc and um you know, I think that things will work out if you hustle and you're determined enough. And, and for me, like uh, to use the sports analogy, I wake up in the morning, every day is like a new match and you've got to put your all out there and you, you leave your body on the line, you put your body on the line. And I think that every day is different and uh, running a business every day is like an organic new development. And sometimes you have really tough days. Sometimes you have amazing days. Uh, sometimes it is, it's it, entrepreneurship is the ultimate drug, like the high highs and the extreme lows. And, um, you know, it, with it comes financial, personal, emotional stress and pressures. And um, yeah, I just think that if you really are dedicated to the cause, things happen to you at the right time, like hiring the person, when to grow, when to make decisions. Sometimes you make poor decisions in this choose your own adventure of life. But ultimately, things work out if you just knuckle down. And and when you're in tough times, for me, momentum's a really big word because you might need a small business win to give you that confidence and and the excitement to propel yourself into the next phase. And for me in 2015, I made the decision to attract more retainer clients, keep cost of sale down, increase our margins and sell more media. Those are like the four things that I decided to do to make my business a little bit less risky and picked up one or two retainers. They were hard retainers. They were clients that didn't necessarily understand digital. Mm. They were very stuck in a, in a traditional mindset and they weren't easy clients but they helped me to generate that momentum and 2016 was the watershed year. 2016 we won Rockamama's um, and Russell Hobbs as their lead creative agency and, and that kind of catapulted us into a new realm it then took our our staff who were, a lot of them were very generalist at the time and allowed us to start formulating more structural integration so community management account managers designers creative directors finance that kind of thing could all become a little bit more molded and uh, it started leading me to be able to work less in the business and more on the business you know that those those um those elements that people say you should Uh, strive to achieve as an entrepreneur so so for me like with the university of life came from really understanding the finance and the finance nuts and bolts and how we should be charging and what our rates are and where do we fit in the ecosystem of small medium and large agency and um yeah it's just every day is a new adventure it's a new learning and for those of you out there who are parents being an entrepreneur and being a founder it's exactly the same thing you have Mm. no idea what you're doing and you most of the time you're just faking until you're making it and hoping that you don't kill your child during that day and both (laughs) as the human child and your business child
2: did you ever feel that you had imposter syndrome
1: oh all the time yeah and i think that um you know for me growing up like middle class as well you 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 never feel like you're worthy of uh, of those achievements and what does success look like and is there an end goal you know my uncle always used to talk about uh, he was the richest man in the world because he had a credit card and he could jump on a flight (laughs) and he could go and he could book a hotel room and and for him that's what that's what wealth was to him the ability to go anywhere he wanted whenever anywhere in the world and um for me i think that that's a similar kind of space where i'm in. i'm not very materialistic so flashy cars and those sorts of things don't really do it for me but for me i i feel Um, I take satisfaction in the work that we do when we get the results. Like I'm obsessed about um, when a story gets picked up, like this Hobo Biogen journey story. Um, It was published in a Japanese ad site this week. Oh my God. They'd obviously picked it up from Ads of the World or they'd picked it up from one of the other sites that we got coverage on. And there was this whole story and then I was reading it in Google Translate and it was amazing about, you know, Biogen chose average man hobo <laughs> zero exercise he's like a celebrity
2: and, now hey yeah he's he's was.
1: he's been on the dan nickel show <laughs> and he's been he's been all over and and i think with those kinds of things when we can take a concept or an idea that sparked in a boardroom or in the shower even that's where some of the ideas come from or waking up at three in the morning going Kapow! that's a great idea <laughs> you know when, when those kinds of things come to fruition and you've spent 10 months pouring your guts and soul into it and you start seeing people talk about the content and, and sharing it at an international level. The internet really is wild uh, for that. And and the, the main reason why we got to work on that project was because the MD of Biogen came to my book launch. So everything in, in, in this world is connected and serendipity and connection is very important for the work that we do. I mean, in the book, there's a there's a chapter called Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. And when I finished writing the book, it really was one of the toughest things that I've had to do and had to use a lot of energy and resources to balance having a newborn, having to balance my work, going to a coffee shop in the afternoon and then trying to uh, fit in certain chapters where some days smooth to write, but most of the time very difficult. Mm -hmm. A lot of writers block, but uh, it really helped massage that part of my brain and and helped nurture that um, writing side. And, um, when I was eventually done, we went on a trip to New York and walking past Central Park, here comes Kevin Bacon riding on a little bicycle with a basket
0: <laughs> and just <laughs> no. cruising
1: down the road. And then I was like, yo I was like, Darren, that's Kevin Kevin Bacon. She's like, Wait, what? What? And I was like, Yo, Kevin Bacon And then he just like flipped his finger up and he was like, Sup, you know? So 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 for me, like by talking connectivity and talking about into like locking stories and a network for me like that just goes back to highlight how small the world really is and in in south africa we take it for granted like how closely connected we are we only ever really really one or two degrees of separation from anybody Mm -hmm. like i can chat to you, and the next thing I'm connected to, you know, corporates that I need an introduction to. And and we've been brought up to live behind high walls and electric fences and, and razor wire, and we're just too afraid to say, hey, Carmen, I, I know you connected to this guy, Coleman Murray, and apparently he's involved in broadcasting. Can, can you do an intro? <laughs> and, you, you know, the worst you can say is no. And, and I think that's the thing is, like, we're not teaching a critical thinking lessons in our education systems. We're not teaching mm-hmm. people, like, dogged determination and grit and and for me like those are things that i would love to teach more kids to do and like Mm. just to ask the questions we're not creating inquisitive people we're not creating inquiring minds and if we're going to compete on a global scale because so many of our industries do we have to continue to encourage people to ask the question why
2: i I totally agree with that you know the other day i was um so my game is more in the customer experience thing modern marketing um services and data science and all that kind of stuff right and um, I was doing a, a audits on, on 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 staff um, based on personas, etc. And um, I asked them about the younger generation, and they said that the younger generation, when they come in, for example, for treatments and pedicures, manicures, whatever, they are socially awkward in front of them. They do not want to spark a conversation. For me, that was one of the most profound insights about our future generations is like, you know, more comfortable behind, you know, talking via social media, et cetera. But like, it's from 19 years until about 25, many of them don't have conversations with the person in front of them and literally let them do their job, like pedicures and manicures. I don't know if you've ever done Man, the man grooming thing, go for pedicures and stuff like that. But you yeah, in, in somebody's face for like a for a good hour, hour and a half. And it's very awkward not to say anything. I don't know. Silence makes me awkward. But it's just having those skills of how to communicate with people, human to human.
1: Yeah, and eye contact. I think we, we're all too buried in our phones nowadays. Um, we get screen burn.
2: I know, like literally. Another thing I, I wanted to... To ask you, oh, by the way, while you were um, talking about uh, storytelling, I wanted to tell you you need to go and read this book. I started reading it and it might spark some great ideas for you. What's it called? It's called The Beautiful Brain by Hannah Walker. And they talk. I don't know if you've watched that movie with uh, Will Smith. I can't remember what the movie was called. It's the CTE, like you know, football and soccer and how the concussion oh, on yes, the brain. Yes, yes, yes. that's a great movie. And they movie. were talking about all of the stories, but they go in and they go and interview the family and they talk about um, some of the famous footballers, their their life before CTE and the the game. Oh and, wow! Oh, it's so Sounds inspiring. Um,
1: you've sold it. I'm on it.
2: You have to go and uh, go and go and read that. So, so yes, one thing that really resonated with me was the fact when you and I met for coffee a few months ago, and you spoke about the fact that you decided to write this book instead of entering a CAN award and using this as your case study. Talk us through that methodology, because I think it's genius.
1: Yeah, so for me, what's, what's really interesting is that, you know, as a communications agency, your best credibility comes from winning awards. You know, it's still one of those things that you're judged on and and the criteria thereof. And we were very fortunate in the early days, you know, because of some of the work that we did with uh, Black River on Nando's, uh, we won a bronze at Cannes and we've won Prisms and Lurries. And with Rockamamas, we won the Grand Prix at the Prism Awards and PR Awards in South Africa a couple of years back. And for me, like those awards have definitely given us that extra credibility from being a small agency. And for me, like the best deck is really it, it pays homage to the belief that I don't ever want to be the biggest, but I want to be the best. And and for me, like, you know, large is about ego and, and it's never been about it's never been about that. So so for me, when I looked at different options of of telling stories and PRing myself and creating opportunities to secure editorial with key decision makers and influencers, because bear in mind my professional life started out where influencers were journalists. They were the only influencers. Now there's influencer marketing and Mm. there's bloggers and there's all the kind of stuff that comes with that. But for me, I'm always looking for ways to tell case studies in a way that people will remember us. So even back in 2011, I was creating these digital odysseys and and using them as a retrospective case studies on the year prior and showing people the work that we were involved in. Because sometimes we were just like one component in a bigger story. So we were a supplier to Black River on Nando's. We were a a supplier to Ogilvy on some of their community management. And to tell the world about the stuff we were doing, we showed them in a creative way. So the first video we made, still on YouTube now, it was like a stop motion of typing on a typewriter and then typing on an iPhone and then writing in a moleskin and just kind of drew out and illustrated out the campaigns we were working on. And people started knowing us for these little videos that we put together every year to tell ourselves. And, you know, the whole thing around Microsoft and eat your own dog food, if we're going to be mm. great storytellers, we need to tell stories that are remarkable about ourselves. And, and, you know, that goes back to your question about virality. For me, virality is about people seeing your content, Mm. but it's also acting upon that content. So Mm. your content has to drive sales. It has to support business objectives. And if we're going to be the best storytellers, you need remarkable content. You need to seed it to the right community. And then when you put those two things together, you have an emotional connection that can ultimately drive conversions for commercial success. So Mm. those are the three C's. Content, community, commerce.
2: Oh, Love that. Is there a white paper on that?
1: There will be. (laughs) <laughs> it exists, it exists it's, new book.
0: It's, called, it's called the best
2: <laughs> listen yes we said it the best tick. um what, what is the female version of a base no,
1: dick? No, that's the, that's the problem. Like, you're looking at it as like a proper liberal, common. It's like... It's, like it's, it's, gender, ne- it's gender neutral. Like, we're not, like, you might be the best dick of podcasting, you know? Like, Emma Sadler's the best dick of, of social media <laughs> law. Like, I always talk about this at the conference. It's not a male thing. So, ultimately, anyone can be a best dick.
2: I am a best dick.
1: There we go. Preacher Listen. sister.
2: Booyah! Anyway. Okay. So, very importantly... Um, <laughs> okay i want to go into this have you ever gone into a client's meeting and they say okay this is the objective of of our campaign this is what we want to achieve
1: make it go viral make it go viral of course i mean there was what a do you story. say to that <laughs> i once went into this boardroom there were like 25 people watching me and then the speakers weren't working on the computer so i was given a computer they gave me headphones and then i had to watch this video this viral video that they'd made Okay, so this was one of the early day things because of having viral in your name. Occupational hazard. I I know. And they were like, "Um, we made this viral video and then I had to watch it for like three minutes and people stared at me to see my reactions to see if there was an eyebrow (laughs) twinge or for me to smile. And I just said afterwards, I said, I'm so sorry. And and I think at this stage I'd become a little bit more uh, contained. So um, I was a little bit more polite and diplomatic than I should have been or would have been in the early days and uh i just said guys i'm so sorry but this isn't a viral video <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh yeah i d- just i had to have an uncomfortable conversation i said like maybe it can be salvaged in the edit i was like edits can save a lot of things but uh, but i said <laughs> i i can't really do anything with this and I am i'm really sorry whoever's made you spend the money on this has seems like they've taken you for a ride and I think like that's where a lot of clients were burnt in the early days. Like I know some of the top insurance guys, they were so scared they had like PTSD and they were gun shy because they were had been sold viral by bigger existing companies, mm. fly by nights, new guys to the market. There was a whole whole host of different options. And I think the the thing for us has always been like, don't overpromise and underdeliver. Like, mm. you know, you should always under deliver underpromise and overdeliver. And for 90% of the campaigns, 95% of the campaigns we rolled out, sometimes we didn't know what we were doing because it hadn't been done before. But I always backed myself and my team that we would achieve on what we set out to do. And if I didn't feel it in my guts, if I didn't feel that this was a thing that could potentially go viral, inverted commas, then I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go down that route. Mm. So for me, like I've always stuck to my guns in terms of the stuff we work on. We work better with challenger brands. We don't work well with established brands, like one or two in the market. Cause one, they're too big. Their budgets are too big. And they also, they're too risk averse. So mm-hmm. we kind of play in that sweet spot of number three, number four in the market where we can, you can shake things up a bit. We can create a little bit of chaos. And for me, that's where our sweet spot is. And, you know, we, we i talk about us being the alternative agency and I wrote this manifesto for my team, which now in our new office is emblazoned on the wall. Oh, the
2: office looks amazing, hey? let's
1: come and visit. <gasps> Bring I your listeners. Wait. Come do a vlog and then we can show all the people and we can go to the <laughs> I things. I would
2: love that. Let's do it. Yeah, so effectively... When you calm down. Yeah,
1: so, so come and visit and, and check it out. But um, on the wall, we've printed out all these letters and we've actually put together this manifesto that um, I wrote for the team over WhatsApp about a year and a half ago. And for me, like we use these channels and to bounce ideas and something time sometimes to inspire but I just said that Retroviral is the alternative agency we were the kids who had insecurities but found our calling in comms and the thing we're fucking great at yeah I we love question that. our natural universe we're not afraid to tell our clients when we feel they're wrong we thrive on challenger brand challenges we are the agency that has made more brands go viral than any other agency in Africa we are viral scientists we emotionally elevate brands and rationally drive sales we are Retroviral
2: jeez like I'm gonna have to come see you for copyrights
1: <laughs> boom boom
2: <laughs> brilliant you know what the moment you started like reading that out and i know that you've done this even before the queen movie but i'm seeing the queen thing where he said we're creating music for everybody that feels that they don't belong in the
1: room yes i I mean like that. that that's exactly that Yeah. And I think that ultimately, like we are a little bit cooked, you know, and like we all have these really (laughs) interesting people and we're not CAs and we're not lawyers, but we still like, we add a valuable contribution (laughs) to society. And, you know, we help brands creatively solve business problems. And I think like you need someone who's a little bit cooked to try and help you when you have business problems, especially in these tough economic times.
2: I love that. Okay. I'm going to ask a little bit of a darker question about virality, right? It seems that vir- like virality has a very dark connection. You know, if we look at fake news, propaganda, data bridges, and being connected to dark digital arts, the, everybody's got like, you know, you, you see content, you're not sure if it's real or not, and it's being created by, yeah, I mean, I, I'm even convinced, like, you know, these KFC things that makes its rounds about the, the rat and the this and that. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to say anything.
1: Ball but Pottinger is creating rat content now that they've got... The, <laughs> they've yeah. got
2: No, yeah, yeah, exactly. But
1: there was how- that meat. There was the meat walking off the plate. Have you seen it? That's the latest one. No. It was on EWN tweeted it today. Yeah.
2: What is wrong with them? Why do they not...
1: Today do- is the 30th of July when we're recording and there's a piece of meat climbing off a plate. What a vibe. I was just thinking like... How could- <laughs>
2: Sorry, I'm just trying to envision this. What is it? Still a cacao or, or something? that's still like no. It looks not like sashimi. It looks like sashimi, but
1: it's, like, <laughs> it's a vibe. You must check it out. Go check out EWN's tweets. Oh my it. god! It's like it's basically like a flapping sashimi. It's like a piece. Of, <laughs> it's a piece of sashimi that had an extra fin attached to it.
0: Listen, I'm
2: doing my my my, my bicep exercises here. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I? am laughing at you. Okay, not at you, with you, with you, with you. but. How do you st- distinct what's good about virality and what is bad about virality? Because we've watched the great hack. I, um, I, I saw oh, your tweet.
1: The great hack.
2: And I watched it and it just made my blood boil.
1: Why did it make your blood boil? Which parts irritated you?
2: How your data's been used against you. We all know that it's happening, but to the extent that people go to, 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 to spread propaganda but also what what really made my blood boil is the the few that benefit from something like that and take our democracy away we all know this is the thing that's been going but i mean just watching that and, and seeing mark zuckerberg lie and then how she comments and she's like you know he's lying he writes here, and then she shows the documents and stuff and i'm just like you know what this monster that's been created let's start taking accountability for it but i mean that's my
1: view common what? It's like all systems. They all sound great on paper, <laughs> but in execution, they're terrible. Think about it. Think about capitalism, democracy, socialism, fascism. Oh, you're right. It all sounds perfect on paper, but in execution, that's the flaw comes into it because of people. It's like religion. Mm. And I think if you think about it, like the great hack, sure, we all being targeted, whether it be from a pair of shoes following you around from a remarketing pixel, Correct. or if it's someone telling you stories about Crooked Hillary, yeah. you know, it's up to us as humans to be more discerning about the type of content that we're consuming. And I think that's the problem is the average person doesn't have the ability Correct. to develop an informed opinion or to think critically. That's the biggest problem with humanity. Yeah. And that's why politicians love people being illiterate. They love our 29% unemployment rate, because okay. the more you're unemployed and the more illiterate you are, the less you're going to resist the status quo. And sure, the great Hack really talks to a whole bunch of issues within social, but think about Google. Google's tracking your your distance, is mm. tracking where you're going. It serves you ads based on your email history. All of these things, from a programmatic and performance media perspective, are targeting you based on your interests. So whether it's based on your your populist political views or it's based on your populist shoe views, you know, it's still the same thing. And the biggest issue I have with that documentary is that the two biggest sources are the two biggest crooks. I suppose. Brittany Kaiser. Is an evil human being. Like she's been involved in some of the worst campaigns known to man, yet she was bleeding she didn't heart, walk away. Yeah. bleeding heart about how her family lost things. What about all the lives she ruined and destroyed? Correct. You know, the, posi- the most positive campaign she probably worked on was, was Obama, but everything else was all based on divisive politicking and pre mm. and post digital era. And, totally. and for me, the other guy, Chris Wiley, who's been like the poster child for the hack with his purple hair and his outlandish. Um, language, you know, he was basically writing a vendetta campaign off that form because he didn't win the contract to work for Trump. That nine months, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I remember. So
1: ultimately, like, if Cambridge Analytica wasn't the company that was going to be all dastardly with this process, then Chris Wiley was going to be the guy, and he's just upset because he didn't win the multi-billion dollar contract, and they were spending a million dollars a day on Facebook ads. I know. Yeah. And do you, <laughs> do you, think, do you think Zuckerberg and the shareholders of Facebook are going to worry about that? Oh, hell no. So go to the it, make your statement. You didn't do anything wrong because you weren't complicit in the whole story. But ultimately all of this stuff is designed to control us. So whether we have political institutions that are controlling us before Mm. digital or post-digital, there's always the ability for us as people to be controlled through propaganda messaging. And we've taken Mm. this podcast in a very heavy direction. So let's talk about (laughs) rainbows and unicorns again.
2: No, but I just want to close off (laughs)
1: We don't have to close off. We can keep going.
2: No, no, I to close yeah. off. i want to close off this dramatic conversation. Um, just to say, like, I totally agree with you, and I just think, from from my perspective, is, I think it's digital literacy that's very important here. And I think not just the digital literacy. I mean, when this uh, situation happened, we all saw the interviews um, with Mark Zuckerberg and where people were asking questions that make no sense because they didn't understand how Facebook works. So how do you make your revenue? Hello. Anyway, like, you know, know, they were just like all these stupid questions. So I think one of the, the key components is to teach people to be responsible digital citizens. You and I can tell when something's fake. Or when something just doesn't make like the
1: fake hunters.
2: Yeah, we we. But I mean, like when there's other people. I mean, my husband used to be a journalist, yes. so he's taught me very well. Like, validated. Who said so? I don't know. Validated. Validate. And it's it's. And uh, Mandy Wiener, Yes. Um, when I interviewed her, it's like question everything. There's an like,
1: amazing documentary coming out from South Africans. Uh, oh, really? Start of next year called Agents of Influence. So um, that's produced by some of the people that work with Daily Maverick. um, Richard Poplack and Diana Neal. Oh, Um, that sounds incredible. So Agents of Influence that's coming out, uh, they're going to be submitting it to Sundance. um, But basically they talk to a few different people and one of them was the the CEO of the holding company for Cambridge Cambridge Analytica. So they go into a lot of details. Um, I don't know how much of the Guptas and all of that stuff oh, they'll cover, yes, but yes, yes, it's going to be a vibe. A, oh,
2: my gosh. This is going to be... Oh, this is going to go... Oh, that's going to be amazing. It's going to
1: be amazing. Mm.
2: It's time. It's time. Your time's up.
1: You're fired.
2: <laughs> Horizon, who said that?
1: Colin, don't put me on the spot with <laughs> such ridiculous things. <laughs> <laughs> You look very, you look very like American politics right now.
2: Oprah Winfrey.
1: Oh, that did not look like Oprah. You look like you were being Nixon or something. You need to work on your, you need to work on your Oprah impersonation.
2: Okay, okay, okay. So I went uh, online. So on the internet. Yeah, on the internet. Yeah. Okay, I wanted to see what questions people ask about how to make things go viral, I was okay. hoping you could give us some clarity on and the what questions. Did they say? So these are the, the seven questions that came up quite a lot.
1: Was this is when you were like typing in Google in the search bar to so, give you these suggestions? Yeah. So, okay.
2: so, so, what makes a campaign go viral?
1: Remarkable content.
2: And that's all you're going to say?
1: Yeah, it's going to be shit hot content. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Okay. How, how well is your How well is your podcast? What is remarkable content? How well is your
1: podcast doing?
2: Very good.
1: Where is it on the charts now? It's going up and down. It
2: depends on who we're interviewing. And
1: also it depends on how batshit crazy you are. (laughs) Like, if you're remarkably batshit crazy, people are going to be downloading it more.
2: Yeah, but I do go batshit crazy. But sometimes when we have serious conversations, Uh, we can't go batshit
1: crazy. Sometimes it's the guests that are the problem. But listen. Remarkable content is stuff like, you know, when you're driving, here's a perfect real world example. uh, When you're driving down the road and you rub a neck because you've seen something on a street pole ad. Okay.
2: My husband has a word for that.
1: What does he have it? What is the, what is he calls word?
2: me the lighthouse?
1: The lighthouse because you're going whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> so what is the, it's generally like it's generally the daily sun that catches your attention because there's some tokolosh who's inserted something and <laughs> like changed <laughs> the course of history. But when it comes to like the credible news or the sources that you see, it's those things that are going to pop out and they're going to catch your attention. It's the same thing on, on your timeline on various social networks. What's the piece of content that's going to grab your attention instantly and hook you in? And sometimes it can be drama, sometimes it can be comedy, and sometimes Sometimes it can be something with anthemic music. So it all depends on like how you produce the content and how remarkable that story is that Mm -hmm. creates like a stickiness for you to want to share it. When you've seen something that you want to share, you are validating that content as a representation of your own being, mm. and if it's good enough for you to share, then that's taken it to the next level of your emotional engagement and connection to it. Mm. So the remarkable content is the stuff that you want to share, that you want to put in your timeline, or you want to send it on the WhatsApp group because it's a little bit naughty, and you don't want your <laughs> you don't want your friends to see you posted it <laughs> publicly.
2: No. But you know what? That's why I love Gold
1: Yeah, That's why you were sharing the best deck on WhatsApp, not on social, because you didn't want your conservative friends to. Oh, think well, I'll
2: share it all everywhere. I'm not. A, I'm not shy. Listen, Goldcast, is you a,
1: know me. Goldcast is a perfect example. That's like shareable viral porn. I love it, though. Of course you do. Makes so there's me feel like happy. 900 million other people on the planet. And
2: Jay Chessy. I love Jay Tracy.
1: Yeah,
2: I love him. Okay, what makes a viral campaign successful? For remarkable me? content. No, man.
1: See, <laughs> so like, you're such a hater. A viral campaign that is successful only when you've generated interest from an eyeballs perspective. People have actually watched the content, they've shared it, but it, it ultimately supports sales. So, like, if you create a piece of content for a car manufacturer and that's seen by 10,000 people and you sell 1,000 cars off the back of that, that for me is true viral because it's got the, the the eyeballs, but then it also has the behavioral change. When you implement behavioral change off the back of your content, that's why like the politics and the political campaigns. Trump, that was a viral campaign because the propaganda worked to make people hate Crooked Hillary so that they'd vote for Trump. Yeah. Behavioral change.
2: Behavioral change. But, but you know what? <laughs> Another round of applause Who got the round of applause I just have to ask Gavin Gavin who got the round of applause The fact that you have
1: to ask Means you didn't get The round of
2: applause <laughs> I'm joking Okay Well that's a new sound effect That took me by surprise <laughs> 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 Oh my god This is I think we're going to Keep on bringing you In the show here Because
1: oh, uh, we're going to be sound effects
2: Listen we could make Like a good yeah.
1: duo Solid gold here It's like solid gold shit. Sound effects now <laughs> It's a, su- a sub
2: I'm petrified I don't know what's Going to come next sure, Okay That's what she said <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) oh my god that was way too slow for that um (laughs) okay sorry okay um i wanted to say we had brent lindicu here from the good things guy
1: yeah brent likes to call me his work husband he's basically oh my god i'm basically his hero
2: of course you are. Yeah. But I mean, like, his story is just so amazing. Ama- amazing. amazing, amazing. Um, amazing. The Nick nomination and how he turned it around Interact, and just w- yeah. wake up one morning. And it's not like he put advertising behind it. It's just like literally just by doing something good.
1: Good things, guys. An incredible platform. And once again, built off virality, of a remarkable story, remarkable content. Carmen.
2: Remarkable content. Boom. Right there. Okay. Now the question is how to build a viral campaign. Your three C's, I say.
1: Yeah, content, community and commerce. But um, for me, it really goes into the development of a premise and a key insight. So if you you don't have the truth right, if you don't have the key insight right, then you're doomed for failure. So it's like the stand-up comedy analogy. When you're developing stand-up comedy for an audience, the audience is different races, backgrounds, shapes and sizes. And you have to develop premises and insights that that audience can nod their head to, whether they are familiar with it or not. So that's why I've used the example ad nauseum about writing content about rappers or writing stuff around accents. You know, these are things that people of all audiences can relate to. And when you're a brand that talks to multiple audiences like telcos or financial services brands, you have to tap into an insight or a premise that people in the audience are going to nod their head along to and want to learn more to. So it's a mixture of that insight and that truth and that premise that's ultimately going to enable you to develop a remarkable piece of content.
2: Love that. Okay. You can mention one of yours, but you also need to mention another one that's not yours. Okay. coolest viral campaign ever.
1: Coolest viral campaign ever. Dollar Shave Club. Love that. Like, yes. Dollar Shave yes. Club for me is like a pioneer in the space. They sold to Unilever for a billion dollars a few years ago. It was genius. And it was the simplicity and the honesty within it. Like that's one of my favorite campaigns of all time. It makes me do what I want to do
2: i love that and one of your coolest viral campaigns ever that you've done in retroviral
1: we've worked on gee there's a few that stand out like there's almost kind of one a year i think um the latest one is probably with hobo the biogen journey like i, I think that that for me is is a really special place for us i think this kirsten Landman story is going crazy like we got her onto the third page of sunday yeah. times she's on the front page of sunday times so the tradition, when traditional media cams along and, you know, ENCA producers saw her in the Sun, in the Sunday Times and then they interviewed her on ENCA. She was on Chinese global TV a few days ago. She was on Brent's podcast this morning. Um, so, so for me, those are two of the recent ones that are linked to the retroactive business. And then, yeah, over the years, like some standout stuff, we've done a a sound clip with Russell Hobbs last year. We made a TV commercial just where the soundtrack was made just using sounds from appliances. And um, and then oh, f- yes. from there, that got a lot of international attention. There was an Italian composer sharing it on his blog. Uh, with the stuff that we did with the Rockamama's and the Election Burger, some of the early work with Nando's, oh, which kind of like helped pioneer this this view on what virality actually was. Uh, There's some stuff we've done with Castle Lager. We did a spoof of a Johnny Ivey video for the iPhone. Uh, They launched a Bry Nation app. So we spoke about taking the iPhone and the Bry and we made the Bry phone. And um, (laughs) it's still one of my favorites um, because I wrote that and um, I was involved in the directing of it with Jason Goliath. So you are safe. Oh,
2: yeah.
1: So for me, like there's these these beautiful moments. There's also stuff that uh, I know that you've ch- chatted a lot to Pepe uh, with Joe Public. Joe Public had this um, yawn-activated vending machine, a yawn-activated coffee vending machine. So you'd yawn at it, and then it produced a <laughs> coffee at the airport. And then we seeded that video, and we got it onto Time, onto Arabic sites, French sites, CNN, Perez Hilton. Jeez, like... Robert Kawasaki shared it to his rich dad, put it at Twitter. So, like, oh there's God. some stuff like that that, you know, we try and create the scientific distribution of content that it doesn't just rely on paid. And over the years, like, more and more content is relied on paid media to be shared. In the early days, like, there was no paid media. We were getting millions of views on content that your coffee machine got 500,000 views organically on YouTube without a cent spent on paid media. So, for me, like live and breathe this stuff man and i'm obsessed about it and and for me like i'm obsessed with connections and by seeding the right content to the right connection it creates the spiral effect like in my head what happens is like you know, when like Professor X puts on the helmet and then he sees all the mutants and he can connect to them. <laughs> like for me, when we've got a campaign and it needs to go live, like I very much focus on like, who are the people I'm going to send to? I sit in a quiet space. I'm like going to send it to this person, going to send the emails of this one. And then it sparks and it creates this whole like knock on effect of all the people that I need to send the story to within mm. that specific silo, broad or narrow, so that we can generate, you generate the wheels and the a spark for virality it's like a little pebble falling down a hill and creating a landslide or a snowfall so turning true. into an avalanche like we create digital avalanches with our content
2: love it you, you remind me what is that oh i can't remember their names mm. don't worry forget it i can't remember okay uh viral campaign agencies which are viral <sighs> which are the best ones in the world do you think apart from you
1: um, I mean, that's such a difficult question because I think so many people do so many different things. Like, I think there's elements of Droga 5 that everyone loves. Oh, yeah. David Droger was here for Design & this year. They've created some of the most memorable campaigns that have had digital and TV and above the line the line integration. A vice from a content perspective i love the dude that like, did Tripadvisor when he set up his his shed and then he goes and he does all of those videos where he inserts himself into situations so those kinds of vice pieces of content are incredible um i also like some of the stuff from um john street like they created a lot of their own content in the early days as well there was like a case study spoof video that they made around pink ponies where this little girl got a pink pony for her birthday. And then they showed about their ROI was on how many presents she got for her birthday. And that for me, it's like, (laughs) it's like dollar shave club days. Like that's the kind of stuff that that made me do what I do.
2: Rainbows and unicorns.
1: That's it. Holla.
2: (laughs) Okay. The seventh one I found was, which came up quite a lot was viral marketing ideas.
1: What is the question?
2: That was the question that they asked Google is, um,
1: was it viral, viral marketing, marketing ideas? ideas. Question mark. Yeah. That person is not definitely not a critical thinker. <laughs> or where do you get viral marketing ideas from? Probably. Yeah, I think it goes back to, once again, cultural nuances. It goes back to relevance. Um, we obviously work on Rockamamas, and some of the most exciting stuff comes from Twitter. So, you know, the other day, a certain competitor launched... Inverted commas, new chili cheese fries. Mm. When uh, it's 2019, but Rocco's has been offering those since 2014. And uh, one of our followers said, "Are you dead? Or did oh, you yes, die?" I saw that. And then, yeah, yeah. and then that brand in question put out two big eyes emoji. And then our community manager qu- quoted the tweet and said, looking for something else to copy, beloved. And then boom, that just like sparked such interest on social. The next thing, Citizen was doing a piece on it. Business Insider, at Times Live, Business Insider and Times Live assigned six journos to that story to actually taste test which was better and of the Rocker's product was better. So boom. And the most amazing thing now, when you search that brand and chili cheese fries, what comes up first? the editorial that basically shows us booming them.
2: (laughs) Oh my God. One day when, when Booyah is like at that level, I'm so hiring you. (laughs) Booyah. (laughs) Booyah. Okay. In tradition, we play a game, but I'm not going to give you a mouth guard.
1: Don't give me a shitty game. No. (laughs) You've got 90 seconds. Don't give me a shitty game. Okay.
2: On your marks, you have to answer it in one minute and then no. This is one of those possible. speed things Ten like, like yeah.
1: a white, uh, purple, orange, and then you basically figure out if I'm a psychopath.
2: Fuck whatever you want. Okay. Let's, let's go with it. On your marks, get set, go. Go. If you had to pick a new name for yourself, what name would you pick?
1: Legend awesome number five.
2: <laughs> if you could make a rule for a day and everyone had to follow it, what would it be?
1: No pants day. If you,
2: <laughs> if you had the power to shrink anything and take it
1: with you, what would you do with it? Come and marry and you'd come with me to meetings and you just shout booyah every <laughs> time I <pair> close deals.
2: <laughs> would you rather be a hobbit or an elf for 24 hours? A hobbit or an alpha for 24 Yeah, a hobbit or an elf
1: for 24 <laughs> hours. <laughs> hobbit. <laughs> okay, if you could
2: have an unlimited storage of one thing, what would it be? Data. After you survive the apocalypse, what will your job be? i
1: um, creating viral campaigns for zombies.
2: What kind of cult would you start together with me? What What, what kind of cult would you start with me? Cult. Oh,
1: okay. uh, the Kool-Aid cult.
2: Okay. Would you rather always say everything on your mind or never speak again? Always on my mind. Would you rather eat raw egg for the rest of your life or sleep in a bath filled with egg yolk? Sos. <laughs> Okay, well, you you did very well. You almost had nine out of ten. So, yolk, what yeah. is the tenth question? Are you accepting applications for girlfriends?
1: <laughs> well, I think you answered that earlier with uh, the fact that I'm married and have <laughs> I children, so probably I should not. You
2: changed the question. It's like so like a nine went, out of nine. a so yes. good thing I didn't. Oh my God. I have a girlfriend.
1: You want to be my side chick?
2: No, not like that, you Babalu.
1: Babalu? I uh, <laughs>
2: i am a friend of yours
1: oh like friend go- girls, girls. Yeah, why didn't you just say friends then why did you have to I make it about know. why did you have to make it sex based
2: I, it was I, no. I should have changed the question i, I, I repurposed my content oh. i do apologize good
1: friends you don't have to be my girlfriend
2: <laughs> <Feliz Navidad. laughs> okay well anyway it was just awesome the twilight
1: zone with <laughs> each other didn't we
2: okay anything in closing that you want to say to the audience where can they find you
1: at Mike Sharman across all digital platforms. See, we don't do business cards anymore. That's so old school. Yeah, Mike Sharman. Just search Mike Sharman. I'm Mike, not Mark. Sometimes the Edenville accent kicks in and people think I'm Mark Sharman. That's why I answer the phone. Hello, Michael speaking, so that I can enunciate <laughs> properly. But um, yeah. I, if you wanna search me, I'm available on the internet.
2: And also we'll put it in the show notes if you guys wanna wanna reach out to him and make your campaigns go viral. And if you want yeah, to maybe pick up a money. story. They you have to have lots, lots of, of money. money retainer base only hey
1: lots of money we don't, let's not waste time <laughs> with people come okay. in, just the big bucks just the big and bucks. you can have a commission on, on D- no, i'll come players. and
2: work with you on campaigns that
1: sounds amazing okay two for the price of one two for the price of one yeah and solid gold can create a podcast there we go
2: there you go solid gold podcast studios and another episode brought to you by solid gold podcast studios
1: are oh, you definitely not going to do the VOs for our jobs
2: oh Oh for fuck's sakes Just shut up (laughs) Listen There's a lot of banter Going on here But obviously my brain Is going at the speed Of lightning Can you not see It is And the time Is up
0: And on that note Mic drop Kaboom You've been listening To the Carmen Murray Show Another solid gold podcast Please take a moment to rate and share this episode with friends and colleagues who love customer experience and marketing just as much as you do. To connect with Carmen, visit CarmenMurray.com, where you will find links to her business services, future fit events, and biz community articles. Carmen Murray is CEO of Ouya Modern Marketing Services that empower businesses to deliver premium customer experiences, B2B. B2C, and B2B2C across all industries. Some of these services include research, CX strategy, persona development and customer journey mapping, CX audits, UX audits, and the connected marketer training in connected customer experiences, mobile, data management, and AI. You've been listening to another episode from the Solid Gold Podcast Studios.